What's happening, everybody? Welcome back into another episode of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com, covering everything in Ohio State athletics. My name is Colton Denning. I am your host, coming to you from Boulder, Colorado, on Friday, August 25th, 2017. The season is right here. It's in less than a week, Ohio State. This time next week, we'll be breaking down the game against Indiana and I couldn't be more excited to do that. But we are going to finish up the 2017 Opponent Preview Series podcast today by saving you-know-who for last. We're going to talk about the University of Michigan and how they are going to do under Jim Harbaugh in year three. And if you want to listen to this episode or any of the other Opponent Preview Series podcasts, make sure to go to soundcloud.com slash Land or go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe by searching The Hangout in the Holy Land. With that out of the way, let's get into today's episode and talk about Michigan. And to do that, I am rejoined, he is a friend of the show, by the managing editor of mazenbrew.com, Anthony Broom. Anthony, what's going on, man? Oh, I'm honored to be called a friend of really any Ohio State <laughs> uh, fan or podcast. And, uh, it's good, man. It's uh, good to be back. Glad to... You know, the summer. Is, I know. I know when we don't have football, the off season kind of tends to drag. But in the last few weeks or so, it's kind of been jarring on how close we actually are. And uh, you hit on it already. Games starting up next week, and couldn't be more excited to to preview this season and and talk about uh, the game at the end of the year with you. Yeah. So the last time that you and I talked was before the game last year, and I picked Michigan to win the game. You picked Ohio State to win the game, and little did we know all the batshit crazy things that were going to happen. Yeah, that was uh, – I was down there for that, and I, I got to tell you, um, that was – I mean, first of all, taking you know taking the two sides of the rivalry out of the equation, definitely one of the better football games, really better sporting events I've been to uh, in person. The atmosphere was cool. Um, it was obviously an awesome game with uh, – some moments that'll live on in that rivalry for a long time. But uh, that was, I know there were, the emotions were at very opposite ends of the spectrum towards the tail end of that game there. And it was, uh, I mean, I was there obviously covering the game for Mason and Brew and, um, you know, the Buckeye fans that were there kind of rushed the field to the point where I couldn't get from the press box down to, to the media area. So it was, I mean, it was crazy. I've, I've never, never seen or been around anything like that. I don't want to, have this podcast just be a bunch of bad memories, but on a scale of one to 10, where does that one rank in, in misery in the history of the rivalry for Michigan fans? I mean, it's right up there. I mean, there are people to this day that they're still screaming from the mountaintops. <laughs> JT was short and all that stuff. But uh, I mean, looking at it logically, it's, it's the little things that kind of cost Michigan that game. They weren't able to run the ball to close, you know, you got to be able to run the ball to close out uh, close games in the end. Uh, you can't turn the ball over on the road and, um, you know, eventually that all that all compounds and catches up with you. So I think that one hurts because it was a missed opportunity. It was a game that kept, you know, really the best Michigan team that they've had since uh, the other game in Columbus about you know, in 2006. That was the best team that that Michigan's had since then. And they felt like they had a shot to go to the college football playoff. And um, it kind of blew up in their face there. And to have it happen against Ohio State, I know it it sticks people the wrong way. And, um, you know, it's it has people, you know, I, I think 
it just has it, it still sticks there and i think a lot of people even though there's and we'll talk about i'm sure all the new faces that that there'll be this year but you know it has people still feeling like there's unfinished business against this team and then you know that maybe the i think the biggest thing my my kind of final takeaway on that game is the biggest thing i think that game showed is that you know, there isn't really that much of a gap between these two programs anymore in terms of talent and in terms of, you know, the games they are going to face each other. So I think it has a lot of people excited, intrigued, and uh, maybe some people even a little little frightened to a point uh, about about what could come this year. So when I do these previews, I usually ask our guests how they think that their head coach is doing in the direction of the program. I'm going to skip this uh, on this one because I think it's pretty obvious what Jim Harbaugh is doing at Michigan and the type of job that he's done in his first two seasons. So getting into this year's team, you mentioned all the new faces. What do you think is going to define 2017 for Michigan? Well, I think that with all the new faces that they have, I think that it's going to benefit them that it looks like Wilton Spate is going to start at quarterback. Um, at least that would be my pick. I mean, he knows the offense. He played well until an injury last year that, um, you know, I did, I do think still affected him in that Ohio state game. Um, and even maybe into that bowl game that they lost against Florida state as well. So despite all the new faces, I think you have a veteran quarterback that, um, is cool, calm under pressure, a guy that, uh, I think when you have a lot of young guys and a lot of uh, new parts, I think your your offense kind of tends to respond to how your quarterback is. And when you've got an even keel guy like that who, you know, despite some some shortcomings toward the end of the year, doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes, uh, I think that that is that's going to be something big to watch. You know, what what can Wilton Spate do with this uh, with this team with all the new faces? And the the other thing that's going to define the team is, is the new faces. I mean. You guys have seen it uh, at Ohio State. You know, you lose a bunch of guys at the NFL, but you've got these four and five star guys backing them up. I mean, you don't call it. I wouldn't say that they're they have giant question marks. They just have unproven, you know, some things that they have to prove um, that that you don't do until you get on the field. So how how quickly this team grows up is going to be something to watch for. Um, and they've got as tough a test as you know. You see a lot of these schools uh, open up with you know, South Dakota Institute for whatever in the first week of the year where you're not getting any real work in all that much. But Michigan's going to play a Florida team in week one that's, you know, despite all the guys that looks like they're going to miss for that game, it's still going to be a, it's a tough opponent, a team that comes out of the SEC, and it's going to be, you know, I think whatever happens, this team will look very different in November than it will in uh, September. It's just a matter of the trajectory and, and the guys that step up and, um, the degree to which that they perform and do what they got to do. Is there any doubt in your mind that whatever happens in that game, that it's going to get completely blown out of proportion? Because like if Florida loses, then, you know, on that side, in the SEC side, it's going to be Jim McElwain isn't doing quite the job people think at Florida. And even though they've been to two SEC title games in a row, whenever they play anybody better than them, they don't match up to the level. And then if Michigan loses, then you're going to hear, oh, you know, this is a team that's, that'll probably lose at least one more Big Ten game. They're not going to make the playoff. They may finish third in the division again. And, and you're going to hear all of these hot takes. But to your point, even if Michigan does lose that game, it does feel like that because of that youth, they're going to be so much different by the end of the season than they are at the start of the year. Yeah, and to me, uh, and this is the way I've kind of described it um, in a couple other radio hits and interviews that I've done is – 
to me, this is the first of really what's going to be um, a two-year, I don't want to say era or project, but, you know, even at the end of this season, no matter what happens, they, Michigan could go 12-0, and 0, they could go 8-4, and 4, whatever happens. A lot of these guys that are that are going to be playing and be in major roles now are going to be right back there next year. So, you know, you want to see, I think you just want to see improvement every week. I mean, I think a lot of fans could stomach losing to Florida if they see, you know, some positive things. I mean, now let's, let's make no mistake. When Michigan hired Jim Harbaugh, you did so, you put your big boy pants on. I mean, it's, you, you did that to build a program, the level that Ohio state has, the level that Alabama has, the level that even a Clemson has now. So I think um, there are still um, a handful of hope guys on the team, but this is where, you know, second and third year, Harbaugh players. Yeah, it's his, it's his now. And, um, you know, they're, you're going to see how well he can recruit. And one thing I'll give him credit for, even last year when, uh, Michigan had that, you know, an experienced team, all those guys, they lost the NFL. They still found a lot of playing time for, for that freshman class and guys kind of getting guys feet wet for, for what's coming this year. So they've, they've done a good job recruiting, not only talented players, but guys that, that they can get on the field right away. And, that's the, there's not really freshman, sophomore, senior, graduate. It doesn't really matter if you're the best player is going to be on the field. And, you know, if, if you do that, if it ends up being freshman, it is what it is, but it's, you know, this is as, as intriguing a season as, as I can remember in a while, even in a lot of ways for me personally, I think it's a little more intriguing than last year because there are the expectations there, but no one's, no one's really picking them to win the big 10 or to go out and make the college football playoff. But I do think if things were to break the right way, I could see that maybe happening still. So what are the expectations for Michigan this year? Do you think? Uh, I think that people are looking at, well, first and foremost, I think that people, the biggest thing people want to see is they want to beat, they want to beat Ohio state. I mean, for Jim Harbaugh, all the talk, all the hype, everything that's come out about it. I think to start Owen three against Ohio state would be, that would be a little bit of – I'm not going to say a, a red flag or a deal break or anything like that, but people are going to start wondering if when's it going to happen. And and next, even what we talked about with you're going to have a lot of these guys back next year. Well, you go to Columbus next year, and uh, based, that's not an easy place to play. It's just not. So, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. I think, you know, if, if they were to lose to Florida and maybe drop – a head scratcher in conference play, like say they lost to a Minnesota or a Michigan state or um, whatever it is. I think people would be okay with that if they found a way to beat Ohio state with, you know, these young players and things like that. But with that being said, I mean, there's a lot of people that still expect them to go out and win 10 or 11 games, be right there until, until the game uh, in the mix for the big 10 East title um, and, and things like that. So the expectations are, are there. I don't think anyone's talking a real national title with this team, but like I said before, I do think if certain things break the right way, and namely when I talk about things like that, what comes to mind is Wilton Spate. How does he play? You know, um, the thing that I go back to is a couple of years ago uh, when Michigan State made the college football playoff, they had lost a lot of guys from that team that made the Rose Bowl, uh, namely on defense. And but how do you get over that? It's with it's with a quarterback that can carry you. And Connor Cook did that and actually took Michigan State to the Rose Bowl. So I, there's not – I don't know if there's a whole lot of parallels between those two teams there, but um, 
if you have a good quarterback, you can overcome quite a bit. I mean, uh, even Deshaun Watson uh, was was an example of that last year. So if Wilton Spate can build on what, despite was a kind of a poor end of the year, build on what he did last year, and maybe they hit on a couple more of these long passes, uh, you know, I, I, I really do think that this is a team that could could be in the mix right up until the end, and, and that last game of the year could decide it, which is absolutely how it should be. Yeah, I agreed on that one. Let's talk about Wilton Spate and the offense. What are the next steps in his growth and now that he's going to be pretty much the de facto leader of an offense with a host of new offensive linemen and basically a whole new core of wide receivers and tight ends? Yeah, uh, well, the biggest thing with him is I think uh, tightening up the deep passes a little bit. Now, he hit on a few. The one that sticks out is uh, the touchdown he hit to Amara Darbo when they beat Wisconsin last year. That was kind of one that was on the money, but there are other times in games where, you know, if you just, the, the guy's there, if you just hit him, it's, it's a touchdown. And, um, I think, uh, I think that's something they need to work on there. There are times where he misses some easy throws and, um, you know, that's certainly workable, but he was a first time starter, but, you know, he's had the work this off season with Jim Harbaugh. And I actually think that when you look at, you know, they lost Amara Darbo, J.U. Chesson, but they've got some freshmen that can play. I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones is... He's a beast. He, he is a beast. I mean, Ohio State was in on him. You, I'm, I'm sure people are, are familiar with his skill set. That's a guy to me who, you know, he enrolled early. He's sort of a... He's a freshman, but he's not because he enrolled early. Um, he's, he's kind of a specimen, and we're hearing good things about him coming out of camp. So, you know, maybe not... You know, maybe he's not going to have a thousand yards and 12 touchdowns or whatever. But, you know, when I look at what he could be, that that's that's one of those A.J. Green, Julio Jones esque type of players uh, that that you want to have in your offense for the future. So I like what they have there. Uh, Tarek Black, another freshman, is a guy that, that's played pretty well. And then they've got guys already. Eddie McDoom, uh, Kakoa Crawford, Grant Perry. Um, they've got quite a bit of options there. Um, and. You know, if if a couple of those guys break out and have good years, then, then you're in pretty good shape. I mean, it's a numbers game. So if you have six guys that you really like and, you know, two of them end up being really good, one of them is just, you know, solid to, to good. And, you know, they come at you with a lot of different directions there. Um, but overall, I think the thing the offense will benefit the most from is um, if the offensive line can, can kind of help them move the ball to grind out those games like a game at Ohio State where, you know, play some power football and, and get out of there with a win. Um, it was another thing that came up as an issue against Iowa. They weren't able to do that either. So um, I think if all those things I just talked about come out to play, um, that that's kind of the biggest thing I'm looking for in terms of the offense and the steps it takes forward. Yeah, and if they're able to generate that consistent passing game and have the, the threat of the deep ball, that should help them sort of alleviate the problems they had late in the season last year where teams were just content to stack the box against them and, and getting into that running game, which has pretty much been their bread and butter under Harbaugh. What does a guy like Chris Evans bring to the table? And it, now that it looks like he's kind of sees that number one spot and is he going to be the bell cow or is there going to be a rotation? Because they do have some nice pieces at running back. Yeah. I think overall what you're going to get out of Chris Evans is a guy that I know there was, he played some slot receiver in, in high school and, and people thought maybe that's what he would be doing at the next level. But he did, uh, he looked, he looked pretty good at running back. I mean, he's a guy, I know that anytime you're, 
one of those lankier kind of guys. People always wonder if you can run inside the tackles, and I thought that he showed he's he's cap- more than capable of that. Um, obviously, a good uh, pass catcher out of the backfield, so he's kind of that um, maybe that that Darren Sproles type of back that you need in your offense, and and the ones in college that you know if you just find a find them a way to get them the football, and, and they'll do things with it. Um, Ty Isaac is still there running back. I, I like what he brings to the table. Karan Higdon has, has shown some bounce, uh, and Kareem Walker, another guy who, uh, people expected him to come in as a freshman and be a factor, but, you know, he kind of sat out most of the year, um, due to, due to academics and they brought him along, but looks like he's, he's going to be in the mix for some carries there this year. So I don't know if Michigan's going to have a quote unquote feature bell cow back, but uh, I do know that, that, uh, Chris Evans is, is their best playmaker there right now and by a pretty by a pretty solid margin. So I would expect to see them just finding finding ways to get him the football. I know there's no Jabril Peppers obviously anymore, but you know, that's a guy where he was talented enough where you just you just find ways to make it work. And I think that uh you're gonna see a lot of a lot of that with Chris Evans this year. Flipping to, over to the defense, I don't think that there are enough superlatives to describe the job that Don Brown has done defensively at Michigan the past two seasons and they lose a lot, which we'll get into, but what stands out to you about 2017's group? Yeah, I think it's the defensive line. Um, you look at how, how many guys they lost, which is, I mean, obviously the theme of this, this entire season for them, at least early on when, until we get a look at what these new guys can do. But on the defensive line, you still have Maurice Hurst who I know Todd McShay and some of those other NFL draft guys see him as a potential first round talent. He's explosive. You still have him in the middle. You've got Rashawn Gary and now where, you know, people forget this is the the number one recruit in the 2016 class. And he kind of just played in a rotational role last year because they were so deep on the defensive line. But um, if you were looking for a guy to replace the hype that Jabril Peppers brought, it's it's Gary. I mean, you, you see people hyping him as an All-American and, and all that stuff at all these preseason polls and magazines. And, you know, those are the two guys up front that I think you look at as, you know, you're maybe not quite as deep as you were on the defensive line, but you've got two two pretty pretty special talents there still. And um, at linebacker, I like what they have there. Mike McCrae to me was, um, you know, on a defense with Jordan Lewis and Jabril Peppers and Chris Wormley and and Taco Charlton and all these other guys they had last year. I thought Mike McCrae was um, stood out to me as one of their better defensive players. He finally stayed healthy, which is a big key for him. Uh, so I think that that's a leader you're going to rely on there. And, uh, the biggest concern for me, uh, with that defense is actually on the back end. You lost, there is no more Jordan Lewis. There's no Channing Stribling, no Jeremy Clark. They lost both of their safeties and you're breaking in pretty much four, four brand new starters there. So it's, I think that, and speaking of Don Brown, you know, he's, they spoke to the media about a week ago and it does, does not seem like they're all that happy with what they what they've seen in practice at cornerback right now. So if this defense has a deficiency, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be tough for people to run the ball against him. But uh, I think at the very least early on in the year, you might see some busted coverages on the back end um, as these cornerbacks try to work out, work it out and uh, see what they're able to do there in, uh, in the rotation. But overall, Don Brown, I mean, I don't think enough can be said about the job he's done. I, I thought that in the first year of the Harbaugh era, uh, DJ Durkin, definitely set that group in the right direction um, heading into last year. And then, you know, Durkin leaves for Maryland, you bring in Don Brown and Mich- you start to see Michigan finally 
finally doing a little more to stop those those up tempo spread looks, which has been a that has been their Achilles heel for for a really long time. So um, still some things to work on. Uh, you know, too many there were too many big plays at times, but um, overall, I don't think uh, I don't think you can complain at all about out what you're getting out of Don Brown and what he brings to the table with the youth in that secondary and maybe some early season breakdowns. Do you expect their defense to be just as aggressive and attacking as they were last year? This was a group that finished first in adjusted sack rate last season and third in stuff rate. So they were making plays behind the line left and right. So do you, do you think that they'll continue to keep that up until that secondary gets ready? And I guess, even then, you know, once those guys do have experience, you'll see more of what you saw last year where it was just attack, attack, and, and more attack. Yeah, I think regardless of who's out there, they're they're going to come at you, and they're going to be aggressive, and there might be some mistakes, especially with, with young guys and, and breaking in new faces and things like that. But it's, um, you know, I don't know Jim Harbaugh or Don Brown to be anything less than aggressive in their, in their personas and in the ways they call a lot of games. So... Um, that's what I would expect there. I know that, uh, like I said, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a work in progress for at least the first few weeks on that defensive backfield. But, um, with what they have at linebacker, the guys they have, um, on that defensive line, still someone that people aren't really, someone that people aren't really talking about is Chase Winovich. He was another one of those rotational guys last year, but he's a, he's one of those lunch pail guys that just, you know, you don't know how he does it, but he's just he's in the backfield and he's active and he's making plays. So um, you look when you look at what they have there, I mean, there's still there's still a lot to like there. And I think despite all they lost, it's it's going to be one of the better units in the Big Ten still. I think when you look around the Big Ten, too, if if you're OK with having any sort of weakness on defense, then secondary is probably the place to to be and to need to get that experience because you look around the rest of the Big Ten and quarterback play in this conference is pretty barren right now. Yeah, I mean, outside of as long as Harbaugh's at Michigan, you'd assume the the quarterback play will be, you know, at the very least solid. Um, Ohio State's always going to have guys. Penn State um, has a good guy now. But uh, other than that, I mean, you look up and down, it's 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 not pretty. So if, if you have, if your weakness is that um, you're not the best against the past, then this is a conference where you can kind of overcome that. And that's why I still think that despite all that, you know, it's a, it's a running, running the football conference. And I think Michigan's going to be pretty good at stopping the run. So that's, uh, I still think they're, they're in a pretty good spot overall. We'll see how Florida's quarterback situation plays out. I guess over the next week, Jim McElwain said that he may play, three guys in that game I think that he's probably bullshitting a little bit when it comes to that but you look at Michigan's schedule and Cincinnati's after that they I want to say had one of the worst passing offenses in the country last year and then Air Force which is obviously a triple option team Purdue might be the first team that you know really tests them through the air and and we'll see how that secondary is yeah it's like I said it it sets up to where if you can get past Florida because even despite what Florida does at quarterback. And I'd agree with you. Like, I think in a lot of ways, Jim, Jim McElwain may be blowing some smoke right now. And I know they're going to be missing a lot of important, you know, just a lot of guys off the roster for that game. But um, if you're able to get through that unscathed, I think you set yourself up pretty, pretty nicely. I mean, even Purdue is going to be one of those games where if they do give you problems through the passing game, 
you're going to win it because they just don't have the talent to, to keep up. So, um, and that's fine. Like you want those tests early on because then you can fix it and you can, you can go to the film and, and fix what you need to fix, especially with young guys when the talent is there, but the execution always isn't, you know, I'm of the opinion you, you go ahead, you got, go out and put as many concerns on film as you want to before conference play starts. And that's, you know, set yourself for, for some good things after that. So, I mean, the Florida game is going to be tough, uh, but after that Cincinnati air force, I don't see a too big of a scare there. Purdue. I mean, that's your conference opener, but still, I think you're kind of easing yourself into the meat of your schedule there. So um, overall, I think that you're setting yourself up pretty nicely to, to figure out not only what you have and the guys that can play, but, you know, fix some of the stakes that may crop up early on. And, I, and if they do lose to Florida, that opening game, I don't think it's the end of the world because it, it's your goal of winning the big 10 is still there. And, you know, now if you get blown out, you're going to be concerned, but uh, I, I, I have the feeling that's not going to happen. Yeah. And I think at the very least, this team is going to head into that Michigan state game at three and one, if not four and zero. Oh. And when you look at starting with that Michigan state game on October 7th, you have a back to back to back with that, a game at Indiana and then at Penn state. And then to close the season at Wisconsin and then Ohio state to finish it out. And this is an obvious question, but the success of the season probably hinges on those five games, right? Yeah, I would say so. And even, you know, Michigan state had the year that it did last year. And it was, it was actually pretty jarring. You don't see teams go from, you know, 11 wins, a college football playoff to three and nine the next year. So it was such a, such an awful year for them that that's, I, I just don't see that happening again. And that's a team that they expectations are not high in East Lansing right now. And the only thing they're going to be putting all their effort into, into, to winning that game and, you know, ruining, ruining whatever has Michigan or whatever Michigan has going. Cause that's, that's just how they are up there. So that's now it's at in Ann Arbor. So Michigan has the advantage there. And I think they have the, the talent and the coaching advantage. So I'd expect them to win that game. But yeah, I mean, you go even on the road at Indiana is a uh, Michigan had problems with them a few years ago uh, on the road. Uh, at Penn State is is going to be now Michigan beat them 49 to 10 last year but uh, Penn State was missing a lot of guys and you know I, I think that's that's kind of the game that you'll know assuming that Michigan is either unscathed or has one loss going into that game I think that's when you kind of know what this team can do later on against Wisconsin and then in that Ohio State game so do I think that Penn State is you know a lot of people are picking them to win the Big Ten no I would still I would still lean towards Ohio State, but um, that stretch you're going to have to do a lot of growing up in that that last stretch of the year. But thankfully, that first stretch of the year allows you to to do some growing up and um, find out what you need to fix before you get into the meteor schedule. So, lastly, what do you think is a fair expectation for Michigan this year? Yeah, I have the I, I think they'll go ten and two. Uh, I could I could see them losing that Florida game. I could see them losing a game somewhere in conference play that they shouldn't lose. Uh, just one of those young growing pains games. But, uh, you know, I do think, and, and I will get tarred and feathered from your listeners on your podcast here. Uh, I think that this is the year that they have to, and, and that they will beat Ohio state at home. Um, I, I don't have any, any reasoning for that because I haven't seen these new guys play yet, but, it can't. I, I just feel like you can't. If you're Jim Harbaugh and you're Michigan, I, I don't think you can start 0 and 3 against them because, you know, I just I 
you have to gain an upper hand somewhere. I mean, it's last year there there are no moral victories. There is no well, you know, well we'll see how we do when this group comes back next year. No, you have to find a way to get it done. And I think despite all the new faces and all the new things that they're going to be doing, this group should be talented enough to match up with Ohio State. And uh, you know, I think that this is the year they have to do it. It has to be this year. It just has to. So if not now, when is kind of my reasoning for that. And uh, we'll see what happens from there. I, I don't know if they'll win the big 10, but I, I do expect them to find a way to get to 10 wins and, uh, you know, kind of springboard into next year uh, for um, with what, what they accomplish. I think at the very least, any Ohio state fan who thinks that it's at least not a possibility that Michigan could win that game is fooling themselves. And I'll get, I'll get shit for that too, saying that from our fans, but you know, Michigan is such a different program than they were even three years ago that to think that they don't have a shot, I think you, you're definitely fooling yourself on that one. Well, and it's the thing, too, where we, we've seen it before. It does, 2013. It does not matter what your record is. Like, you're, they're, both teams are going to be ready to play, and you just got to put your – in the game, you just got to put yourself in the, in the position to get the job done. And Michigan – you know, arguably maybe had the more talented team last year from top to bottom, but they didn't do the things they had to do to win. So um, that's what it all comes down to. I mean, whether you're six and six or, or 12 and zero or, or whatever the record is, they're going to be ready to play that game. It's going to be at home. It's going to be a, a rowdy atmosphere. And um, you just kind of, that, that's where your, your quarterback, your, your Wilton Spate, you know, he, he will be the guy that, will have played in that game before and, and he knows what he has to do to get it done. So, Hey, I mean, anytime, anytime those two teams meet up, it's, it's the same thing. Why Michigan shouldn't overlook Michigan state this year And it's a rivalry game and someone wants nothing more than to beat you, especially when it hasn't happened or didn't happen last year. That's a scary environment to go into, especially on the road. So, um, I, I'm interested in seeing where, where it's going to go. I mean, no matter really what happens this year, um, assuming the bottom doesn't fall out, which I don't think it will uh, for Michigan. I, I think at the very least, it's they're probably an eight-win football team at, at worst. But I'm interested in seeing a lot of these guys and how they how they perform and how they grow and how they develop. Because recruiting hasn't been the problem at Michigan. It was development. But even we've seen guys that didn't develop under Brady Hoke develop in those first two years under Jim Harbaugh. So now that they've got their own guys that they've identified and evaluated in there, I think it's going to be fun to watch what uh, what they do next. Well, we are three months to the day until the game on November 25th, so a lot of time between here and now for both Michigan and Ohio State to, to see what we got on both sides and to give ourselves ulcers about that game. So definitely looking forward to that. And if you want to keep up with anything going on with Michigan this season, make sure to go to mazenbrew.com. That's mazen brew.com also give them a follow on twitter at maize and brew anthony where can everybody find you on twitter you can find me on twitter at anthony t broom uh there is an e at the end of that there so uh other than that i mean i, I also do nfl work for 24 7 sports uh covering the vikings so you can check that out over on uh vikings on 24 7 sports but uh, again appreciate uh chance to come on it's it's nice it's nice to have a civil conversation uh, with this, the two sides of the rivalry here. So 
Um, anytime, anytime there's a chance, let, let's do it. I always have fun. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, for our listeners, give Anthony a follow, interact with him. And if you've listened to this podcast, you, you see that it's possible. There can be a civil discussion about Ohio state and Michigan. Yes. There doesn't have to be hatred on all sides. We can, uh, we can, we can be friends and talk football and, and break bread. So anytime we can do that, let's do it. But you know, three months from today, it won't be that civil, but we will we will guide her we will guide the fan bases there we'll get you there well anthony it's great talking to you we'll probably talk again before that game so be on the lookout for that and uh, i'll uh, i'll talk to you then man all right sounds good thanks again always fun talking about michigan with anthony broom make sure to visit mazebrew.com for everything michigan keep up with their season as they kick off against florida later this week and as the game creeps back up on us in late november And with that, we are officially done with the 2017 Ohio State Opponent Preview Series podcast. It's been a lot of fun. I hope that you guys have enjoyed these previews of these teams and have been able to come away with a little bit better understanding on the opponents on Ohio State's schedule this year. I know it was a lot of fun getting to talk to the beat writers and blog managers of these sites and and get to know about these teams and be a little better prepared for when Ohio State plays them this year. So I hope you guys have really enjoyed it. Make sure to go to soundcloud.com slash landgrantholyland to find all of those old episodes if you want to do a little late binge listening before the season starts, or listen to any of the other new episodes we have coming, and go to Apple Podcasts, search The Hangout in the Holy Land, find the episodes there, subscribe, Leave a review, leave some feedback for me, tell me what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show. Anything helps. You won't have to wait long for another episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land. I will be back tomorrow talking about the Indiana game and previewing it with Land Grant Holy Land's own Matt Brown. Be on the lookout for that. Fun discussion talking about the game, what you should look out for, what we can expect from Kevin Wilson's first game as Ohio State Offensive Coordinator the new look secondary, how the receivers should fare, all of that good stuff. That will drop tomorrow later during the day. Until then, though, my name is Colton Denning. This is the Hangout in the Holy Land, and go Bucks.